Now, this is, this is my gift to each of you moms. This, is, this comes from my back pocket, and I just, they're not like super expensive, but I want to bless you guys. And I want to just, I want you to look at your flower. Ladies, look at your flower. There's two things. I want you to see that flower. That flower is a beautiful flower. That flower is so beautiful. Guys, listen to this. Valentine's Day, however it happened, when you give flowers, generally, what type of flowers do you give? Yeah, roses. Now, I love carnations. Don't get me wrong. My wife loves pink carnations, too. Beautiful, beautiful. But the rose has been, become a symbol to us of love, a symbol of, to us of beauty. And petals, the oil on your fingers can bruise them very easily. And what I'm saying is that your wife is this beautiful flower, and if we're not careful, follow me here, if we're not careful, we're going to bruise that flower all right? There's something else about this amazing flower. And if you look over the stem, you notice that it has thorns. Now, these thorns, God did not give a rose its thorns so that mankind would not pick them. Burned it right away. Okay? Amen? That's right. I lose, whenever I trim my bougainvillea, I always lose. I come back, I come back with battle scars. Let me not get into it. But I want to just tell you, these thorns do have a reason. These thorns are to keep predators away. And God's perfect plan is to help keep predators away. And so it's kind of a defense for this rose. So we see the beauty of the rose, and we actually, where I'm going with this, God has given each of us thorns in our life. Now, we generally think of thorns as bad things, but when God gave the, the rose thorns, they were not bad. When God created the rose and it had thorns, you know what he said? He said, it is very good, very good. Listen to this. This, this is Mother's Day. And ladies, I'm going to be speaking to you. I, I hope, though, that the words that I bring are going to be very He created you specifically with thorns in your life. Those are qualities that he has given you. But what happens is when those qualities in your life are led by the flesh, they hurt people. Come on, they hurt people. But when these thorns in your life are led by the spirit, they bless people in an, in an amazing ways. A determined I might even say feisty, but that sounds too negative. It is a, she has a determination in her that God gave her. Now, controlled by the flesh, she can come across harsh. But when controlled by the spirit, people love that. Because when problems arise, she rises up and she just says, I don't care what the devil's going to say. I don't care what the and God has given you, ladies and men, God has given you a beauty, and yet he has given you thorns that when redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, he wants to build something absolutely beautiful in your life. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. I want us to see a woman by the name of Rahab that God did something amazing in her life. Hebrews chapter, reading this verse, represents Rahab. By faith, the, what type of woman was Rahab? 
prostitute, prostitute Rahab. The prostitute, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then if you go over to the right, it was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. God did something in this prostitute's life. At the point in which the, the Israelites were camped not too far away in Gilgal, ready to attack Je- uh, Jericho, spies were sent, two of them, and God began to do, but she was a prostitute. And my scriptures just told me that by faith, something happened in her life in which God took these thorns and began to use them for the glory of what the rose was meant for. And God took this young lady and transformed her life so that by faith, she hid the Jews, the, these two Jewish men because the fear of God had already fallen upon the land and most specifically had fallen upon her life. And it changed the scarlet thread that was let out her window so that when they came and marched around, they would go to that home, to her family, and provide shelter and protection for them. Rahab became a woman of God. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew purposefully lists a series of men and women, four women to be exact, of Abraham, but was also a king of David, of the line of David. And it says very specifically in Matthew 1.15, it says this, excuse me, Matthew 1.5, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Here's where I'm going with this. You may have already picked it out. But God so abundantly blessed Rahab, she became a mother. Not only Boaz was this godly man, And though he had been single for nearly all of his life, a young woman came into his life and she was willing to look to him as her kinsman redeemer, which when we move into the New Testament is Jesus. But as as Ruth looked to Boaz, this godly man who was providing for her, she asked him, would you be my kinsman redeemer? Her husband had died and he would fit a child by the name of Obed. And Obed became the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of who? Church, help me out. David. King David. That's the blessing that was given to this woman of shame. And this woman of shame was redeemed and rescued from that shame and brought into God's kingdom. And she enjoyed in the covenant blessings that all of Israel enjoyed. And she inherited the promised land. That, by the way, she was already living in of this amazing land, the promised land. God redeemed a prostitute and set her, just because he wanted to, in the very lineage of King David and in the very lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. And you'll actually read the list, a listing of four women, Tamar, uh, Rahab. We see then Ruth. We also find 
And I bring this up because as we have been talking about shame, I want you to, I, I am fully aware that many of you ladies had a very lurid past before you came to Christ. And when you did, he took that shame and he obliterated it. And if you are able to truly grasp a hold of the truth of the cross and the resurrection, and you will then be empowered to words. You have become like Rahab caring for her children. And I want you to know I admire you. You have been willing to allow Christ to shake off that, that shame and walk in newness of life. So I want to talk to you moms this morning. I am 57 years old. I am going to be turning 58 in about two months. I had a wonderful mom. Truth is, all of us have sin and all of us have had shame because that's all of our past. There is no exception to that. And God blessed me with a mom. God had changed her life when she was 17 years of age. My dad witnessed to her and she, she became a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, shame-free. I think she did an outstanding job. I, I was an absolutely ornery kid. My mom knew it. Everybody in my good he is. And some of you, come on, I could get on your, I could tell your story. Yeah, you could be up here with this. I, I'm be, I was worse than that story. And the truth is Jesus rescued you too. Set you free from that shame. But ladies, this is a, this is a Mother's Day sermon. This is, this is about you and this is for you. I'm mentioning my age because about my age, Paul pens the letter to the Romans. He was about my age, maybe a few years young. He came to the concluding chapter I want you to turn to. And he began to commend certain people. Just one after the other. Actually, what's unique about Romans is he had never been to Rome to visit these people that we're aware of. And yet, Romans 16 includes more greetings to more people than any other book that Paul wrote. Romans 16, verse 13. This is what it says. Very short, and I'm going to preach from this passage. Very short. It says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Rufus is not a very common name among Gentiles in the Roman Empire. We come across this name one other time by Mark, and in his gospel, his sons were Alexander and Rufus, and this man was the one that the Roman soldier asked, hey, I want you to carry this Jesus' cross for him. He's been beaten by it within an inch of his life, and he can't carry it anymore. And we got to get him to Golgotha. So I want you, Simon, who was coming in from working out in the fields, I want you to help carry his cross. Something happened in Simon's life that day, and he raised two godly sons with the aid of his wife. We don't know this woman's name. And I'm going to suggest to you this is very possibly the very same Rufus because Mark, who wrote about him, mentions his name, whereas no other Gospels do. And, and it is known traditionally that Mark went to Rome with Peter to preach. And so here we have it. 
very possibly Rufus, began living there as well. But my point isn't, about was an amazing woman. She did not in any way quench that fire that God had put in Rufus. Rufus, one chosen of the Lord. He says that to only one person, chosen of the Lord in this chapter. Of all the people, he could have said, you are chosen of the Lord. He said that about Rufus. Rufus had a mom that made, I can only imagine, an incredible deposit of truth in his life and raised him up to be a godly man. That's not just Rufus's legacy. He includes his mother because his mother helped instill that in his life. And he says, but you know what? She's impacted my life too. And it is of Rufus's mother and no other mother or person or woman mentioned in this chapter does he say, and she has been a mother to me as well. I want you to think about the ladies in this room and maybe in some was my age. So Rufus's mom, she's not a spring chicken. She is a woman who's been around the block a few times. I'm not sure the degree to which they dyed their hair back then, and if not, I'm sure she had more than a few gray hairs. But I I wear my gray hair proudly because for me, I'm somewhat deceived in thinking that gray hair actually means maturity, actually means wisdom. Maybe I'll get over that. But the truth is, she was a, you got that one, right? I was, Rufus was a, a man who was impacted by his mom. But Paul, an old man by now, my age, old. He, said, he calls, he says, she's, a, she's been a mother to me as well. Who's been a mother to you? I know physical moms in this room, and I'm going to take some time, and I'm just going to speak to you moms, and I believe the Lord would have me do that personally. Um, but he is really process of raising or have raised amazing children. But I'm going to ask you right now, who has been a spiritual mom to you? Who has been that mom to you in your life that has poured into you? To be a spiritual mom, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians. Turn to the right there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm not going to get into the the father metaphor that's used in chapter two. I just want us to look. We were a mother to you. Well, what type of mother? What does he mean by this? What are the characteristics and the qualities of a natural mother that Paul, who by the way, was not a mom, just so you know, he said, that's what we were doing to you and you are our children. Now, dads, he he describes the dads later. I'm not going to get into that. But he says, we were like a mom to you. Right? You see that right there? Chapter, a little bit to chapter to verse 6. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you. Gentle among you. Like a mother caring for her little children or cherishing her little children. We loved you. So much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. You know why they were a mom? You know why he even used his life? All of them, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, poured their lives into them. Actually, one way that's demonstrated is that they worked day and night. He did not be a, it was not a financial burden. That's what he meant in verse six. We weren't a burden to you. We weren't a financial burden to you. We did not impose upon you. 
We didn't even say, hey, can you put us up? which they would do many times. He said, we came into your midst and we worked hard at night in this tent-making trade and, or, or during the day. And then at night we ministered to you from how... Don't ask me where that expression... Do, do dogs actually do work? Anyway, we worked like dogs. We poured our lives into you. And so he says, this is what we were for you, a mother working tirelessly. Moms, you have worked tirelessly for your children, so that Paul, he was able to say, you know what, the way you've poured into your children, the way you have poured into your home and family, that's what we did, the ability to be so gentle. Us dads, we're, we're a little bit more like the thorns and you're like the rose, if I could use the analogy differently now. We, we, we have this tendency to run a little roughshod and you're the one who very patiently puts your hand on, my, on our shoulders and says, sweetheart, is everything okay? <laughs> no, not everything's okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> uh, no, uh, not everything's okay. <laughs> wanting to redeem some of those thorns, right, guys? But ladies, you, you have this amazing ability to be gentle. My wife is, has been so gentle with our children. And so patient. And Paul, he says, that's the way we were with you. You know what? You cherish, you know, mothers, they cherish their children. That means that they, they value their children more than they value. We had little ones. In the, I mean, she still does. But we don't have as many children in our home to work tirelessly for. But back in the day when we had five little ones running under our feet, she worked tirelessly tirelessly, day and night, all right? Guys, how many of you have gone to a job and you punched in and you had the privilege at the end of your day punching out? And when you punched out, it was like, it's done, and I get to go home for life. If you want to call punching in, it's because the baby next to her punched her. But the truth is, she punches in when the, when, when the sun is up, and she doesn't punch out and she'll, until her head hits the pillow. And I'm still not convinced that she punches out then. Because some of you moms, you can testify when that baby wakes up in the middle of the night with a croupy cough. We got a little one here who's wrestling with that right now for the second time in like a month. Wow. Moms, even though you didn't get much sleep, you've worked tirelessly. Pouring into him. How on earth is a woman like that supposed to pour into an apostle? Hello. She managed. There was a depth in her. There was a love. There was a care, a hospitality. It just overflowed in her life. I love being in some of you ladies' houses. Zori, you make the best pancakes in the world, by the way. If you ever have a chance to eat some of her food, you have been blessed a hundred times over. Now, I appreciate my wife's cooking. Uh, yo, oh, sorry. It's, it's nah, scratch that one. It's gone. <laughs> I did manage to look at it in the fridge. <laughs> That's as close as I got. I think I may have even touched the box it was in. Anyway, the truth is, it was for my wife anyway, guys. Um, the truth is, that so many of you ladies just pour your life into people. You have them into your home, and you treat us as if we are a part of your family. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of that. She did. She's the one who said, we have an open-door policy, and I realize not all of us do that, and that's fine. But, hey, 
Knock once, then come on in. Don't wait for me to come to the door because I'm not, all right? <laughs> Knock once and then come on in because I'm going to ask who's there. And if you're still outside, you're not going to be able to answer, but I'll wait. <laughs> we have an open door policy. We also have an open pantry policy. You know what that means. <laughs> Some of you young guys. And, and that's just the way my wife is. And so she says, Mikase Sukase, if I said that right. My house is your house. My home is your home. You come live here. We have, we have guys spending the night all the time, ladies spending the night all the time. We've adopted you guys. Love it or not. And that's just my wife. And she has, she has instilled those values in me. Thank you, sweetie. And, and that's the way she wants our homes run. You, but you ladies, like my wife, you ladies, that would be able to pour into a guy like Paul. But you're here. You know, I know when my wife is, is older, she wants to be able to have some of the you old guys who are older be able to still look to her and say, you know what? She's been a mom to me because my wife has. And you ladies have as well. <clears throat> I want to read something from my wife. If uh, tweeted that. If, I fe- she, she sent it to me in an email, so I don't know how else it, it gets out there. So I'm going to assume you got it by email, too. Anyway, it says, Happy Moms. And I'm going to read this article to you. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because th- this article comes from her heart. And God has taken so many thorns from my wife and redeemed them and, so that these character qualities, one of the things that she has, she has been through a lot of trauma. And I'm going to read it to you. It's entitled Happy Moms. What a glorious, joyful, happy idea God had when he created motherhood. It's a privilege to carry life, give birth, and nurture children. For a short season, sons and daughters are entrusted to a mother and father to raise and equip for life. We think so much about being perfect moms that sometimes we forget to just relax and enjoy motherhood. Children enjoy having happy stories and jump in the middle in, the, in a mud puddle or two. Happy moms dance around the living room and snuggle up with their children to read a good book. Happy moms find something to laugh about when things are going wrong. Happy moms sometimes serve popcorn and ice cream for dinner when dad's on a business trip. So that's what happens, okay. Happy moms realize they're not perfect and they're okay with that. Somehow they sense that these years are terribly at this time of year. I remember her long brown hair and the perfume she wore, as well as how she would sing songs with us on the way to Publix. I remember laughing, painting, sewing, and baking together. There were so many happy moments. How about you? What are the happy times you enjoy with your children? My daughter has little tea parties with her children on Saturday. After of some newly arrived caterpillars, she had a caterpillar and butterfly tea party. She had butterfly cookies on flower-shaped plates. The pictures were so cute. What are some things you can enjoy to refresh your spirit? Do you need an afternoon away with the Lord? Do you need a spa day? Do you need to watch a funny movie like Mom's Night Out? Gives Kate a little break there. 
If you struggle with exhaustion and discouragement, here's some things that might help. Say yes when people want you to rub their feet. No, that's, I added that one. Say yes when people offer help. Say yeah, or, or sleep when the children nap. Get out in the fresh air and sunshine each day. Make time to exercise. Our YMCA has free babysitting. Plan a girl's night out. Go on a date point after that. Watch a wholesome, funny movie. Above all, set aside time with Jesus each day. He will refresh your spirit. I wish every mom a beautifully blessed Mother's Day. Your ministry of motherhood matters, and you are changing the world. Big hugs, exclamation mark, Meredith Curtis. So I'm just going to ask God's blessing on you guys today. Thank you. Jesus shines through them. Thank you that they pour into others, and the love of Jesus is so evident. They cherish and pour themselves out to others beyond themselves. They're gentle. They speak truth, but do so in love. And I just ask for your blessing on them, Father. Encourage them today. Allow them to feel so much love from their children. And I just, would they feel so cherished and so loved by us today as we look on and as we admire them and as we bless them? Would you do that, God? And may this coming year be such a fruitful year for every single one of them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.